Hi there, I'm Mikey. Hi, I'm Corey. And we're with the Retro Renegades Pop Culture Power Hour. And we are the official podcast partners of Grand Comic Fest. Grand Comic Fest is going on in Grand Island, Nebraska, April 21st through 23rd. Dude, I'm so excited for all the celebrities that they're going to have this year. They've got a great list of celebrities this year. Oh, yeah. And you know what? We're going to get to know those celebrities right here on this show. Yes, we are. So, we want to thank you guys for joining us. Please check out Grand Comic Fest on Facebook to get all the information. Or, you can check out the show notes. Get your tickets. Meet us in Grand Island. We'll be in Podcast Alley. But right now, we're going to get to know one of these great celebrity guests. Because we got to interview them. Yes, we did. So, please enjoy this show. And we'll see you in Grand Island. Grand Comic Fest. See you guys soon. Hey there, this is Mikey with the Retro Renegades Pop Culture Power Hour, and I'm bringing you the Grand Comic Fest Guest Spotlight Series. The purpose of this series is to introduce you to some of the great celebrity guests that are going to be attending Grand Comic Fest 5, April 21st through 23rd in Grand Island, Nebraska. You can jump on Facebook, search Grand Comic Fest, and get all the information you need on how to get your tickets and all the great events that will be going on this year at Grand Comic Fest 5. So without further ado, let's meet this episode's featured celebrity guest. I am joined by WCW superstar and Nebraska Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame member, Dave Sullivan. Dave, how you doing today? Good, sir. How are you doing, Mike? Oh, hey, doing great. Doing great. Now, really excited to uh, to talk to you today and kind of get into, you know, some of your career and some of your memories and kind of let people really get to know you before they come out to Grand Comic Fest. Which uh, Grand Comic yep. Fest is uh, April twenty first through twenty third in Grand Island, Nebraska. So, uh, we say we just kind of jump into uh, how you got started. So you were uh, you were a football player before before you were a wrestler. Is that correct? Correct. I played college at UNO, the Mavericks for Sandy Buddha, and then I uh, then I got a chance to play in the NFL Steelers for a little bit, and then I was in the USL for a bit with uh, the Portland Breakers. And then I got it. And then I, from there, I went into coaching, and uh, I came back to UNO and worked, started working on my masters, and uh, and uh, coached uh, coached there at UNO with the offensive line with Ron Pecorero. And then I uh, and then I uh, started uh, Sandy and Don Leahy at that time had me get to because we had a strength program. We didn't have a strength coach, so they hired me as the strength coach, and I got the program going there at UNO, and we called it Maverick Muscle, and we still call that today, and we started waiting in the dungeon down there in the basement, and <laughs> got her going, and, and I started training all the kids, and and, uh, and then the other athletic programs got involved with me training them, and, and uh, so it became a, a big deal that I got a chance after that, Noel uh, Mark, who was the defensive coordinator at UNO at that time, 
got the job at St. Cloud State, Minnesota. So I uh, went up there with him as, as the offensive line coach and strength coach and started working full-time up there. And uh, so I was up there, and, and uh, one of the fundraisers back then, there was still the territories because this was in the uh, mid-'80s, so it was still the territories. And AWA was still private, if you look at it at that time, private biggest operations because WWF hadn't really got – I mean, they, cause Hogan was still there with that, with that outfit. Andre the Giant, Jesse the Body, um, all the guys with Roddy Piker that got WWF off of, you know, got them to be famous. So you, Jesse the Body, Bobby Heenan was there. Uh, gosh, the announcer, what the, the other announcer? Uh, mean Gene. Mean Gene was there. Yeah, mean Gene Jesse was, was there. Mad Dog Hulk. was up there at the time. Yeah, Mad Dog. Uh, the big, the big weightlifter was uh, Kim Patera. Kim Patera, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, and, and of course, Greg Gagne and Jim Brunzel were the tag team champions. Mm-hmm. Well, we did, a, we did a fundraiser with the AWA up there at the university because we had a nice indoor arena up there. And they played basketball and that seemed about 7,000. So we did a show there. And there was a fundraiser for, this, for the athletic department. So Giant came in, Kim Patera came in, Jesse the Body. I can't mm-hmm. remember the whole card, but the Giant was there. Yeah. And, you know, he walked in. The first time you see this man, it's just like, he is like the eighth wonder of the world. I never seen anybody like that before in my life, or met anybody like that. He was a gentle giant, but I, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. He just, he, but he was a god. He was huge, and can Patera's good at. So the football team and the coaches, we helped with security that night. That was part of our thing. So we, you know, they didn't us back in the locker room. But we once they walked out of the locker room, we helped be sure they weren't bothered and all that stuff like that, and got them in and out of the place. So you got to meet them. And so at that, at that point, you know, I always watched it as a kid. At that point, I kind of was intrigued because I met some of the guys, and you know, they were pretty cool, all of them. And uh, it was just, it was just kind of my first real opportunity to see what it was like. And uh, except other than other than being back behind the, you know, with locker room as they did, but just to see that action and watch it live really kind of hit home with me. So you you had that experience of of getting to see a, a, a live match, and that kind of lit a spark for you. Yeah, and when I watched, I was like most kids. I watched it as a kid, but I also watched football and basketball and all that stuff. And I, and I did all those sports and everything like that. So I mean, wrestling was I amateur wrestled, so I always kind of watched the pro game because at that time AWA was on TV when I was a kid growing up. Mad Dog and all the you know Harley Race and, and uh, Baron von Roschke. Harley Race was on on the card a lot with. Um, Larry the Axe Henning were tag team champions. So I remember watching those guys as kids. So you kind of grew up with them, respected them, and, and thought they were really kind of, you know, cool and all that stuff. And sure. So then you got to see it live. It really kind of, it just it kind of hit a spot in my heart and my brain. Yeah. Then mm-hmm. after that, I, then I took the offensive coordinator job down at Washburn University in Topeka, Kansas. I mean, I still worked with strength there, too. So I went down there and I started coaching. We became pretty successful, and I was out recruiting. At that time, Blue Valley in Kansas City just had one school. It was just Blue Valley. Now there are like three or four schools or five. It's grown so much out there in Jackson County. But uh, I bet Harley Race's son was recruiting him as a wide receiver. Hmm. And I uh, met Harley, and we are just talking about the rest of the game. I told him, you know, about, about how I lost him growing up. And, and then I went to the AW thing. I was up in St. Cloud. He goes, you know, you ought to come down the ring and see if this isn't for you. So I, 
one day I went down there and spoke with him, Bob Geigel. They took me in the ring and stuff. And so then that summer I started doing it. It was the summer of 88, I think. I started just training and going there over to Kansas City every day from Topeka. And then when the football season over, I would just go over once in a while when I could. And uh, so they kind of trained me and I, they got broke me in and about killed me two or three times, especially Harley, he's a tough sucker, you know, and the thing that they're trying to do, they're trying to train you to uh, understand that, yes, it's a work, but this is how you got to sell it, so they put you in hold sometimes, it just, holy crap, hold on, stretch me every way but loose, and so, but they wanted you to realize, the old that's the old school, that, see, if you don't sell this, what it really feels like, so when they, when they do put up that hold on you, you sell it. Sure, and, and it was a great way to learn, you know. And they they just made you go up the stairs. They just beat you. To, they beat you down pretty good. I mean, I puked more there than I ever did in football. Oh man! So, you know, so I mean, it was very straining, and it got you in great shape. But my goodness, it was very straining and a lot of hard work. You know, and a lot of guys couldn't do it. I mean, I know the football players that would try out and couldn't go through that training. And I think my amateur wrestling background helped me because. When you were amateur wrestling, you got to be in great shape too. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, you got—I mean, because they, you know, back then, my high school at Westside, we were—it was a hundred degrees in there. Hmm. We fought to get the crack at the door just so we could get some cool air in our mouth. Because that's how we trained back then. So you had to be—you know—that you had to be in good shape. And then at UNO, I did two sports my first two years. I did football and wrestling, and and Palmazano used to keep that room back there hotter. I'll get out. I mean, it wasn't until people started dying from it, they quit doing that stuff. But guys would wear, the, the lighter guys that always had a cup weight would always wear sweats up there, and it was 100 degrees in there, and you just mm-hmm. would melt. And same thing, we'd fight the door to get some cool air. Yeah. <laughs> because it was so damn hot in there. But, but I think that helped me when I went to, the, when I started getting trained by Harley and Bob, that type of conditioning still was in your, you know what I'm saying? Oh yeah, just yeah. had to get it back because you're used to it. Where a lot of football players don't never wrestle, so if you never wrestle, it's a different kind of condition, as you well know. I mean, it just oh, yeah. is. It's it's oh, yeah. really tough on the heart and lungs and muscles. You got to have some good some good uh, aerobic ability because you just gets kind of anaerobic because you stop and go wrestling. But you just got to be in unbelievable shape. So you you trained with with Harley, and that was in the kind of in the, the Kansas City area is that yeah yeah I'd drive okay. over to Kansas City every day Mike. okay and then you uh did you work with with uh Len Denton as well and what happened then is because Lenny at one time the graph was a booker for those guys down in Kansas City okay he booked that territory before he went up to Don Owens so they called they I, and they asked if I want to get in full time at that time Kansas City only maybe had one or two shows a month they were running pretty much as they used to, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because AWA was in there, but AWA took a lot of it all. But Harley, Harley was going to the, starting with the, with the WWF, now it's King Harley, so that territory, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So they called Lenny, and Lenny said, I'll keep going, work with him, and we'll get him started on stuff up here. So I went up to Portland in that uh, winter of 89, I think it was. Yep. Yep. So I went up there. And were you, uh, you were tag teaming with, uh, with the grappler then, is that right? What they did is they brought me in first, and they and they just had me do some things, and then eventually Grappler brought me in the, into the fold. But the record crew was it was me, the Grapp, and Brian Adams. Hmm. 
it was the three of us. This is before Brian was the WWF. So we would go, the three of us would go up and ground the road together, party and all that stuff and wrestle. Because at that time, that was really, other than the NWA and the WCW or overseas, it was a true territory. Where you did your show Saturday night there at the, at the PN, at the big arena there in, in Portland. And then you hit, uh, you hit, and once in a while you hit a Sunday, but Monday you hit here, Tuesday you hit here. No one, we always had Mondays off. Tuesday you hit here, Wednesday you hit Eugene. No, Eugene was Friday. We hit Salem and Astoria and a couple other towns, and then they make they mix in some Sunday shows too. But um, but we always had Mondays off. That's right. And uh, you worked five six nights a week, depending on what was going on that week. And a, a lot of people will uh, will recognize uh, you said Brian Brian Adams as uh, mm-hmm. Crush from right. WWF WWE, and he was also in mm-hmm. the tag team Chronic. So that's the the you know the the caliber of, of talent that they put you in with there. I mean, of course, the grappler, uh, amazing, amazing guy, and still great, great storyteller, worker. great storyteller, great yeah, guy. And uh, when you had our bar was there too, you know, mm-hmm. Beetlejuice. Yep. And he got you know he he was getting going too before he passed away. But I mean, then you had Billy Jack Haynes, and then Roddy Piper would come in and work some shows with us. Not actually work but come in and work the backstage and talk to the crowd and, you know, and because he still was very loyal to Don Owens because that's who broke him to give him his start. And it was great having Rowdy around and learning from him because he was, if you look at it, and I know you have a great wrestling background, name a better, I mean, there's been great heels, but name a better heel than Rowdy Roddy Piper. WWF, I mean, that's the only guy he stole from Georgia Vincent Man. Georgia wrestling was Rowdy Roddy Piper. Because mm-hmm. he knew he could get heat. The rest of his heat and other guys were from the AWA that turned that over. And the old WWF guys that he had still on, on the card. But Rowdy, I mean, Piper's pit was huge. Oh, yeah. He, I mean, I, you can name some heels that are good, but name me a better guy that could get heat the minute he walked out. I mean, he got heat. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's why he don't have to wear that leather jacket, don't you? It's because people would pick, uh, would get knives and try to slice them up and then slice his arms up because he's walking or walking back from the ring. Oh, wow. So that's why I started, that's why I started wearing the leather coat to protect his arms. <laughs> and that's how it was, though, wasn't it? They were, they were out for blood. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it was, I mean, that, that, yeah. Now it's, it, now it's, now it's all the fan. And there, you know, back then, when I was starting out, there was still a lot of places I'd go to believe this, it was real. Wow. You know. And I mean, people throw stuff. <laughs> they really didn't bother you down there because Don had really good security for TV because it was important to get that TV off, get fans in. So he had a lot of security and police around there. So, but we get those towns, those house shows, <laughs> those armories, those people throw stuff at us and wait outside for us, the cars and everything. Mm-hmm. But that's when you knew you had heat. Your deal. Then they would pop and the baby faces start coming back on you and getting high spots and going over and doing stuff. You knew you had to eat because the fans would want to see you get killed. <laughs> but, but that's important, you know. That's yeah. important. So with with uh, the Grappler as the Wrecking Crew, you guys were the uh, NWA Pacific Northwest Tag Team Champions on two different occasions. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Do, you, do you remember who did you who did you work uh, that program with? Who did you take the belts from? Yeah, the Rockers usually most. We took it from our bar and another. Uh, I can't remember who his tag team partner was at the time because our bar was getting ready to leave. 
So we took it off them, and then we carried it for a while, then we eventually dropped it to the Rockers. Steve Dahl and, God, what was the other? Rex King. They're both gone now. Shoot, all my guys I worked with, <laughs> other than a few of us, are gone. Right. Anyway, so, uh, you know, worked with them for a while, and then, then we dropped the belts to them. And then eventually we t- Rex was going somewhere, so we took him back. And then we held him for a while until I was left and went to Germany full time. Okay, so yeah, in about 1990 or so, you went to Germany, uh, the Catch Wrestling Association, to work for uh, for Otto. Right. Otto Watts, yeah. But I, I just went over for a short time because Vader, Van Vader called Lenny and, uh, and and asked him if he had a good big guy that would come over and work uh, the garage and it's three weeks tournament. They do it like real over there. I mean, it's a tournament. Hmm. And there's a winner in the tournament. And so you go in the ring. And so I went over just for Gross the first time because I still came back to uh, for another six or eight months with with Grab. We took the belts back and then we dropped them again. When I went back over there full time for uh, for catch. But anyway, so we're going to Gross, and I've never you know. And yet Dave Finley, you know, was there. Steve Regal. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, a lot of good famous old wrestlers. Otto was running the territory. He'd worked. The, he'd usually worked the last show to make the bed against Van Vader. It's Vader. So I mean, you had a lot of great. Finney was an unbelievable workout because his dad was a pro wrestler. So he grew up, and so was Dave Taylor because his dad was a pro wrestler. So they're kind of like you. They grew up in the business. So shoot, they were great to learn from, especially being a heel. Because mm-hmm. Finley was hated in Germany. Just. <laughs> they hated it. I mean, and he was this tough little sucker, but God, he knew how to get heat. And so you learned a lot from him because you watched him work, and he just, I mean, he, he, you know, he'd wrestle Otto in a, in a main event. And and Otto's twice his size. People still believe a little bastard was a crook. So they would cheer every time Otto would pop, you know, and Otto did a great job selling for him too. So, I mean, it would it pop big time. But he was just a great heel and it was a great guy to talk to because he's a true heel. I mean, he wasn't out signing autographs. That's another thing I learned for him. Because if you're going to be a heel, now, if he had, if he had a function as a kid that was to say, it was different. But I mean, just to your normal fan, he wouldn't sign autographs. And people just hated him. One time he just, somebody had him a pen of paper and he just dropped it. Oh. <laughs> but you know, if you're going to be a real heel, why are you out signing autographs? Yeah. And selling and selling gear. Right. Yeah. Because uh, uh, heels, but you're a true heel. You don't care about that. Mm-hmm. You want them to hate you, despise you. Now, if it's a special thing, I'd sign an autograph. But, and I sign it now. But that's why, you know, at the, at the Nebraska shows, I don't go out and sell stuff. I'm doing this up there because this is a different type of thing for the, for the grand. Yeah. But I don't go outside autographs anymore. I'm not at the table anymore because I'm not a baby face. Yeah, that's an old school I mean, mentality, yeah. and that's good. It's you're yeah. a heel. Yeah. You, you know, you're supposed to. Those people are supposed to hate you, dislike you. And if you're outside of autographs, you know you're going to be liked. Mm-hmm. So when you you're were in gear, ju- you're going to be liked. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, they don't. Uh, they don't. They don't sell T-shirts if they're. <laughs> You know, if they're a true heel. No. Now, when, when you were, I, and I wanted to, to kind of go through because you had different different uh, nicknames, I would say. You know, you yeah. Were, when I when I went equalizer. to Germany, I, I was the I was I was equalizer in, and I was the equalizer. When I started the WCW too, but okay. But uh, I was the equalizer. But I went to Germany. I was the barbarian. 
Japan, I was the barbarian. One time I was a barbarian, the other few times I was equalizer. I did both because I went over there a lot of times with, with Japan. And you worked um, for uh, for New Japan. You worked so you worked for uh, yeah. And, and I went over and I went over there after the WCW for some spots too. So you know, they still brought me back as barbarian. They didn't bring me back as as Dave Sullivan. Okay. You know, because they like they wanted that when they remember Japan wants big nasty heels. So that's why Bruiser Brody was huge, Van Vader was huge, Stan Hansen was huge. They were just big mean suckers, you know. Right. Pound on their little guys and then get them over, and they come back and they kick your ass. <laughs> yeah, it, it seems like in in Japan they either wanted really big or insane flyers, insane yeah. like uh, like Terry Funk. <laughs> Just doing stuff that are just completely where you where you know you're not gonna you're not gonna have any bones left. You know what I'm saying? Yep. <laughs> so yeah, it's on. It's on. I mean, or you're a flyer, like you know, like the great Muta and all them guys. They can fly all over the ring and do stuff. But you know, they the, most of the Americans they either had to be crazy or just you big and nasty. <laughs> they, they didn't. You know, even Hogan when he went over there was was a heel. He wasn't a baby face. Oh wow. That's that's you know, yeah, that's became, before he became the what before WWF when WWF put him over big time. Before that, he always went over as a heel, worked as a heel. Hmm. And matter of fact, he wasn't a, he was a he was a better worker than he did that than he ever was in the WWF. You know, doing all those shows. Yeah, because he had to re- he had to really technically oh, he had wrestle. To go out yeah. work and he and he, yeah, and he could do it. He could, was he was good. Yeah, it was a good heel. Well, you, then, then you did a little bit of of work uh, for Global Wrestling. I went okay. I went over there, then I came back, and then Watto hired me for the full six months. So I went a full six months with the whole tour. We went to started in Graz, went to Vienna, uh, went to Hamburg, and did a couple. Now that town is on. I've never been to. It. You know, it's amazing how how prudish America is. When you go over and you live in Europe and realize now most of us here in this country are for somewhere in Europe. Mm-hmm. I mean, whether you have Italian descent or you're English or you're German or you're, you know, Norwegians, the Scot, I mean, all those the Scottish, I mean, the Switzerland, Sweden's, all those things. Yeah. Most of us are from there. We look at this country. Yeah. You know, I guess North America. And, uh, but we are not. I mean, girls in Germany don't even swim with tops on. Hmm. I mean, in France, the heels and the baby faces, the heels locker with the girl hot lockers. Shit, they've done dressed right in front of me there. Was, what the hell? <laughs> I'm not in Nebraska anymore. Right. I'm just saying that that's, that that's their culture. You know, they, I, you just figure what the hell, it's just the way it is. But the heel, the baby, the heels dressed in one locker room. And then the baby faces dressed in the other, but the women are on both sides. Whether you heal baby face, they dressed, they just dressed with us. They shit. And I thought maybe the girl would get down her underwear. Hell no, she just took it all off right there. And I'm like, going, that's you don't see that every day in Nebraska. I know. But it's just they don't have near the rapes we have. They don't have I me mean, because they're just more open about it. Right. But just because they're open about it doesn't mean they're having sex. You know what I'm saying? They're just it's not a big deal. Yeah. Yeah, you go to a swimming pool in Germany, the girls don't wear tops. Huh. You know. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not a bad sight. I'm telling you, being a guy. <laughs> <laughs> you know? So, 
so you know it, it, so we wrestled all so you know and that was great because every town you'd go in you'd have a tournament and you have a champion in the tournament yeah. with brackets and everything like that and you couldn't be disqualified you had to win how right to move on to the tournament because it was a point type thing so it was kind of a disqualification even though you might win but you didn't count because it wasn't a pin you know what I'm saying oh yeah okay you get points so it was like a point term and they scored it they got it was like it was like getting real wrestling and they also go uh with a round round system in their matches don't they yes yes they do yes they do you're right good 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 point i forgot all about that that's right we did rounds yeah three rounds yeah you're right then it was if you if you went all three rounds and you didn't have a winner then it was it was like a draw yeah you're right okay yeah and yeah, because it seems like a lot of a lot of uh, the guys came through at some point. They went through Germany, and and so you hear a lot about how how different it was over there. And yeah, but they all seem to love it. Everybody seemed to to love being in Germany. And, oh, because you the the people there they I mean they drink beer from the bit they get right before they get there, and they drink during the whole show, and they would yell, they throw beer on you. I'd rather have beer than rocks. <laughs> so. But anyway, yeah, but it was just, it was, a, but then afterwards, you just go party. Nice. I mean, it, yeah, it was, got it. I, I have not many of you didn't enjoy that. Austrian joke, oh, enjoy Otto's tour. It was, it was a blast. It was one of the most enjoy, I mean, because, you know, WCW, you know, it's, I know it's big time in WWS, big time. Yeah. But because you're on the road and gone all the time. It's, it's it's fun because you're the guys, but it's not as fun. Germany was fun. Yeah. It was a blast. So I wanted to talk a little bit because you did some time in, in Puerto Rico as well. Yeah, then I then I, then I I came back after that, and then I got on down there with Puerto Rico. Dick Murdoch was the booker down there. Oh, dirty dick. <laughs> so he, he, got me, he, he got me on there, so I was working there, and from there I'd go to Japan too. So I kind of did both things at that time. Now, I've, I've and, heard stories uh, about Puerto Rico. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, in San Juan, we, Dick took good care of me. I got, we shared an apartment right there on the beach of San Juan, right there in the nice town. So, I mean, we're right on the beach. You'd walk out the morning. Dick wouldn't be. He, 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 that's, that sucker's crazy. You know, he was crazy enough in San Francisco to challenge. He told me about this to challenge honor to giant in the beer drinking contest. Oh my God. I don't know if you ever heard this story. Uh-uh. So, so anyway, it was him. He was there. Ken Petrillo was the whole, it was pretty much everybody, but a couple people that were there. They were in a show in San Francisco that night. They still work. It was nine o'clock in the morning. And Dick Murdoch challenged him. And Ken Petrillo goes, you're challenging a giant in beer drinking nuts. So they all did it. By the end of the day, Dick told me he finished like fourth. Oh. Andre, Andre won with 118 beers. Oh my god! Which is still a Guinness Book World Record. I think was one of the other guys got like 60. Kim Petura got like 58 or 60. He was right there too. And then Dick was right at 46 or something like that. Wow. He said, "Man, I thought I could hang in with those fuckers." But hell, and then that night we still went and worked the show. <laughs> I, I mean, there you got this giant that drank 118 beers and goes does a show that night. Oh my god. Wow. So was, totally amazing. was Puerto Rico is, I, I've heard some crazy stories about Puerto Rico. 
where they would sell rocks at the vet, the the uh, concession stand. I didn't know to throw. they sold them, but they had them. They had them. I didn't know. I never knew they sold them. The, the Puerto Rico the money on the towns weren't bad. They were sometimes. What am I saying? Yeah, because we'd have to leave later for the show mm-hmm. because the heels everybody got there. Otherwise, you could get mugged or something like that. So we they either sneak us out. Dick and I out because we were pretty. We were we were pretty good at heels. We you know, they hated us because we did some things to Carlos and Bader, and uh, and so they yeah. There's some towns they snuck us out or they waited till everybody went home because <laughs> they didn't want us to get knifed or rocked or anything like that. That's true. Yeah, yeah. Re- Reggie told me that they used to sell rocks at the uh, concession stand. <laughs> yeah, I think it was for the baseball stadium they did. Yeah, because we do the baseball stadium in San Juan mm-hmm. where the minor league is. And they packed that place, right? Yeah. And they take it all around the infield, and we'd come out there, and God, we get yeah. You had to duck, man. You had to do some ducking because you didn't want to get in the head. Yeah, <laughs> but they throw shit at you. They throw all kinds of stuff to come into Puerto Rico. I never. Yeah, they usually we all. I had a lot of fun there, but we had we had to sneak out there, and it was great because our apartment was right on the beach. So son of a buck, man, you go out there, you see all these beautiful river walkers. One bad, one a bad gig. No, not at all. Because we, 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 we never stayed overnight. We never we always came back to San Juan because they didn't want to stay over in the small town. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we, we were, we didn't, we never, even when we go to Dominican Republic, we might stay over there for a couple of nights, but then we'd always come back because anything, anything in Puerto Rico, we could usually you know, get there in a couple hours and then get home a couple hours afterwards. Even after the WCW, that's where I were. I still worked about 2001. I worked house shows in Oklahoma, Arkansas, then I still worked. Puerto Rico some, and I still worked in Japan some. Okay, so yeah, in, in about 93, you uh, you joined with WCW. Uh-huh. Yeah, because I was down there, San, we're down there in San Juan, and of course, you know, Dick, and, and at that time, the booker in the WCW was Dusty Rhodes. Mm-hmm. So he calls Dick and asks about me, because there was, I was getting over and stuff, and Dick said, yeah, he'd be a good one to bring in. So the next minute is, I'm going to going to going to Atlanta to work with Rick Rude. So you're kind of like going, wow. No, for big old Dick Murdoch and Rick Rude to because Dick, in his day, Dick was a, in those territories, Dick was a major heel in Texas, AWA, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. He was big. I mean, he was big in the NWA too. You know, he, he's had a lot of feuds with Dusty and tagged with Dusty when he was babyface, but Dick was a, Dick was a true heel. Dick, Dick's another heel too. He, he did the same thing. What are you signing autographs for? You're a heel. Don't be signing autographs. And he said the same thing. If you're, if you, if you, if, it's, if it's a kid that's, you know, and it's a special thing, do it. But he said otherwise, you don't. These fans, you don't sign, you don't sign autographs. You're a heel. You were tag team and kind of the bodyguard for for Rick Rude. Yeah, I tagged with him, and then I was his bodyguard. Yeah, yeah. We travel a lot, Rick. Rick, Rick's great guy. He's of course a Minnesota boy. Mm-hmm. Up there, trained up there from Robbinsdale High School. Him, John, the Northern, and Dorton. Actually, I already worked Northern a bunch of times too. Over up in Florida, he 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 come up. We do main events too. Two barbarians going against each other. He because he, he was a baby face. He left as a baby face as a heel. So we come up and work a match together all the time. Oh, nice. Which is fun. So, but anyway, I get with Rick. Rick grew up with John and with Kurt Henning. Right, they all went to Robbinsdale. So Rick, we got along right away. He invited me to his house, his family, and just he was great. I mean, I Rick Rude, yeah, <laughs> blast with him, partying and stuff, and going town to town, yeah. Because we we 
and then we get in the car together. We go wherever we're going. I usually drove though, <laughs> most of the time. Now, it's like when I now if I rode with Harley. Harley drove all the time. Kid, get over there in the passenger side. I'm glad. Mr. Harley, Harley drove eighty five ninety. I mean, I think back then they had those control speeders. Uh-huh. That thing was going. You know, we like as he told me one time. I think if I lived before this, I was a race car driver. <laughs> Where to God? I'll tell you a story. We were we were we were up west. This is when I was working with Paul Oregon, and uh, and uh, Harley was uh, Vader's Vader's bodyguard mm-hmm. and manager, and we're and so we're riding with Harley to go. We're hitting all these towns in West Virginia. We're going up to West Virginia Mountains for this one spot show, and Harley's going around these turns. I mean, I'm like, oh, I'm thinking we're going off the cliff. I mean, it's I, my Bob in the front seat, and I'm holding on. Paul's in the back seat. He's praying, <laughs> please get me through this, Lord. And Harley's sitting out there, one hand on the wheel, going round and round as fast as he can, right? Yeah. And uh, and smoking a cig, going. And he looks at me with a smile on his face. He goes, "Kid," I go, "What?" He goes, "I think before I was a race car driver." <laughs> he, he, he never took that. We just kept the one hand, and we were going. We had to go around. Let's turn sixty. 65 miles an hour. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. It was quite amazing. So, yeah, it was, it was something else. But he, he always smoked that cigarette with kid. He'd always tell me a story, kid. Because <laughs> he trained me, so he always called me a kid. Yeah. So, I mean, you just, you're naming you're naming people off here. You worked with the who's who of, of classic wrestling. You, you mentioned Paul Orndorff. You you were uh, a tag team partner with Paul Orndorff. Yes, we. I mean, he he was, he was both. See, I I got I got to work with Rick, and I got then I got then Rick put more into singles, and Paul and I joined up. We were kind of you know they even talked about putting belts on, you know, what I'm saying and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And then so we're traveling all over, and then uh, and then he um and then. They decided to bring Kevin in this, on the booking team, and they said, "Then Kevin comes up, I do. Why don't we make him our?" Because that's why when they say look like Hulk, I don't look like Hulk. I look more like Kevin, but a much bigger version. Mm-hmm. And that's where you come up with that twins thing from the show Arnold and Danny DeVito. Okay, yeah. So he says, "Let's let me take Dave. We'll be twins, and then we'll put because Paul Roma was going to come in, and they wanted to put Paul two Pauls together and, and call him Pretty Wonderful." Mm-hmm. And so that they put those two together, and then Kevin and I, you know, Kevin said, "You don't belong with Paul because they wanted to make those two baby faces and keep us heels. You don't belong with those guys. You're Solomon." And that's we started working together with Kevin. And you, uh, you started out working with the with the Nasty Boys. Yeah, that's what we used. To, yeah, because they wanted to put us two teams together because Nasty Boys were coming in, and they wanted some good heel stuff. They wanted some heel matches. Yeah. So we worked, we worked a lot of travel. We, we did Europe together. I mean, we, we were together a lot, me and, uh, me and Kevin and the Nasty Boys. Had a good run together. Those guys, those guys, those folks, they're, they're, they're fun to be out because I've got a part, Rick and I, four of them went out a few times partying and stuff like that. Yeah. So uh, they were fun to be with. But in the matches, man, it was, it's, it was like being in Japan. It was a go the whole time. Right. <laughs> Which I love. I love working with them. They're good guys. They're fun to work with, and and you guys also brought in uh, Cactus to help you, you help you out a little bit, right? Yeah, because I because I got my knee injured. We were in Chicago. We we're doing, and we were gonna we were gonna do this match, and eventually we we're gonna get the belts and then do the whole thing with belts with the nasty boys. But then I got injured in mm-hmm. Chicago, 
at the United Center, one of the pay-per-views, and uh, I, I tore my quadriceptendon right in the ring. Mm. And I couldn't move, and I had to roll out and tag Kevin in for the match, and he came in and finished it. And they put me in a brace and got me back to Atlanta, and I had to have surgery. But what they said was to, to get this thing going with the Nasty Boys, and Nasty would always jump me in the ring, jump me in the locker room, and injure my knee. You know, and so I had to have surgery. So when they did that, then they put Cactus with, with and I was I was their manager and walked around, and I was with and Cactus and, and Kevin were wrestling. Okay. So and we did that for five six months because that's that injury took five six months to heal. So I managed and was at every show with those two guys, and I was outside doing okay. my gimmick, doing the event gimmick. Yeah. With the red robe. Okay, and so you you still have the red robe at this time. And, yeah, yeah. And we're doing the 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 EVOD. Yeah, yeah. Whose whose idea was the the EVOD? The Kevin, Kevin, yeah, Kevin's. You gotta look at Kevin. And Kevin was down in Florida as the, as the, you know uh, the Grams had him book the damn thing, and Dusty Rhodes and him were bookers. And Kevin's Dusty will tell you, Kevin's a brilliant mind. You know, mm-hmm. and he's good, and he come up with a lot of stuff. I say Nullivus, which is Sullivan backwards. He had all kinds of stuff we did together because at that time he was still married to Nancy too. Yeah, and she was really sharp in the business too. So it's kind of you know it was it's yeah it, it was kind of cool being around all those guys because there was a lot of real you know you know I, I got to be good too, but I was around a lot of good people too, which helps make me, helps you be better. Sure. Well, at at this point, um, is when uh, when Hulk Hogan came in and Evod became the number one Hulkamaniac. Well, it was I still was going around with Kevin and Cactus, and Hulk was, and Kevin kind of come up with this idea. Let's put let's put, so we because he wanted to work against me and do some singles, and then eventually he was going to bring me back to the Dungeon of Doom as a heel with all the heel guys. You know, mm-hmm. and call me Dave. Kind of what we're doing now in the Nebraska Pro Wrestling. He was kind of going to move that way sure. for a whole, whole that thing, you know. Yeah. So, I mean, that's kind of... But he wanted to work for a while with me as a baby face. As me being a baby face and him still the heel as my brother. You know, you did the the uh, the singles matches with, uh, with Kevin. And, right. I mean, you guys had some some pretty brutal matches that I remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kevin, Kevin's a tough old sucker, man. We both, we had some good tough matches, but, and we always laid it in because we wanted to look as good as we could, you know, so we, we, we you know, we, we protect each other because you got to, because, you know, when you're doing a program, you know this, Mike, you, you, you're, you're working up sick five nights a week. Mm-hmm. There's only, so you're a human being, there's only so many times you can beat somebody up. Right. You know, I mean, eventually you got, you have to work together and do all that stuff, and, so you, you just, you just, you know, you, you lay some things in, but otherwise you, it's just, it's just, you know, you're working. So in so, the... And it was fun. Kevin was good. Kevin was a lot of fun to work with. We had a lot of fun doing interviews and all that stuff. In in the course of this program that you were doing with, with Kevin, um, they incorporated, I mean, you were in the, the main event at the Clash of Champions. You... Correct. Hulk Hogan and Sting on one side right. with right. Kevin Sullivan, the butcher who uh-huh. everyone would know as Brutus Beefcake. Right. And Avalanche, who John Tenta, right. the earthquake. 
And that, that guy was a great amateur wrestler, too. And a sumo. And he's got goo and sumo. And he yeah. was a big guy. I mean, but you know what? He was a great guy. But he was a, he's not, not big like Andre, but he still was a very big man. Yeah. Very powerful. So as, as star-studded as this match is, you also had Mr. T as the referee. watched him on TV, so, and then he was in the Rocky movie, so, I mean, you know, it's, it was kind of cool meeting Mr. T. Yeah. So, I mean, you're, that, that's, you know, a huge, uh, a huge main event at mm-hmm. probably the biggest WCW pay-per-view of the year, Clash of Champions. Mm-hmm. But then you move on to, you're in Super Bowl. I mean, all these matches are, you know, you had the programs, but you were on every pay-per-view. You wrestle Kevin uh-huh. again at Super Brawl. Right. And then you moved on Correct. to a feud with, with Diamond Dallas Page. Yeah, over the Diamond Doll. Yep. Over over Kimberly, the Diamond Doll. And yeah. at this time, is that when, when they had you with uh, with Ralph, the rabbit? Yes, and I had I had Dr. the rabbit. He, and that was Kenny, because Kenny was, it would come from the, do you remember the Lenny on that one book? Oh, yeah, of Mice and Men. Yeah, that's where that came from. Okay. Instead of getting a mouse, we got a rabbit instead. So, see, Kevin, Kevin's always thinking of crazy shit like this. <laughs> so, you had... So, I got a, a rabbit that I bring to the ring all the time. And, and you had arm wrestling matches with, with DD, uh, DDP. Uh, Correct. You had, you had ma- matches with him, and it was all over the Diamond Doll. And eventually, yeah, you, uh, you won a, a date with Kimberly. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that was kind of funny. That was hilarious how we set that all up and did that. That was fun. And yeah, we, and a great, great memorable program there. Yeah, it was. It was fun. It was. I enjoyed doing that and all those guys and everything like that. And, yeah, it was, but being Kimberly was a sweetheart and all that stuff. So it was a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> Some of the stuff we come up with was just like holy cow. <laughs> you know, but it would it would work. So you you know it just goes to show you you know if you do things right, keep the program right, and go things go well. well. And I think the the thing is with everything that you've done here, you can mention any of these programs to to someone that, that you know is a fan, and they remember every one of them. All yeah. your WCW programs are so memorable and. You know, even to the point where if someone's watching, you know, one of the things like, I remember this. Oh, yeah, the rabbit. Oh, I remember the, the green smiley face robe or, you know, everything you had is, is so memorable. And you you went on uh, in WCW a little bit. You worked with the Giant. Right. Big show. Uh, Big show. Yeah. You, you, I mean, you were you were in there with everybody. That you know was anybody at the time. Then, then you went to work for. Very fortunate. Oh, and and, and uh, you know, like I said, very memorable matches, very memorable programs. Then you did some work in ECW as well, didn't you? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what what was ECW? What you know, kind of what was the the feeling of going from WCW to ECW? I know a lot of people really loved working at ECW. What were kind of your feelings? It was fun. Was it a good time? I, I mean, I liked it. Yeah, I thought it was great, great, great workers.
was great, you know, a lot of good times. I mean, when you had great matches, you could do a lot of different things. Because you had, you know, it, it was it was like the WCW in a lot of ways. Just not as big because you'd have some of the big names, but still, it was you worked a lot and you stayed busy, and it was it was good money, and you did some TV, so it was good. And then you know, yeah, I'd go over to Japan and do TV there too, and, and work there, and then down in Puerto Rico. So I mean, I stayed pretty busy till about 2000, 2001. And I forgot to mention you. You also worked with with uh, Boss Man, Big Bubba. Yeah, oh yeah, particularly over the rabbit. Over yeah. the rabbit. Yeah, he was allergic to Ralph. Yeah, I was. And Bubba, that, that that guy, guy we drank hot beer. We I remember one time we were flying. We we're going to come. We we're in a small thing. We we're going to West West Virginia. You'd always had to take those commute flies to go to West Virginia. Okay. Mm-hmm. And we're we're on a commute up here, and man, the wind hits us as we're coming to West Virginia. And we, I looked over at Boss Man. He's sitting a couple rows over. I'm going, and Marcus Bagwell's on the plane with us. And uh, gosh dang it, who was his partner at the time? Patriot, yeah. Uh, Patriot, yeah. On the yep. yeah. So we're on the plane, and, and this thing, we, we thought we thought it was over. We, Marcus is praying on there, and me and Boss Man looking over. We're good, but we need a drink, man. <laughs> One more just for the road, man. But we thought we'd landed it, but we thought it was over. I mean, yeah. we were swirling all over the place. Man. We thought, my God, you know, it's just too much wind for that commuter plane. I mean, it was just it was blowing us around. We didn't we didn't think we were going to land. I mean, we really thought it was, we're done. We're done, boys. Put your head between your ass and kiss your ass goodbye, man. Put oh, your head man. between your cheeks and kiss your ass goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, uh, you wrestled up until about 2001. Right, and then uh, you had some some injuries that sustained, and it it just became time that that you needed to to find something else to do. So you went on to uh, go back to coaching. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. And then I went came up as the offensive coordinator up here in uh, in Omaha with Dana College. So I moved it back to Omaha. So yeah, come up here, started coaching as the offensive coordinator, then eventually became the head coach, and then the head coach in AD. So you know it, it, yeah, that was a tough gig. Probably one of the hardest jobs I ever worked in my life, just because it was a small school, and you did a lot of things yourself. And it just it was a lot. Of, you know, when I was AD and head coach, it just it's just it's too much. I shouldn't get head coaches than AD. Yeah, because it was just too much. It was just working too many hours because I was at school all the time, never home. And so I mean, it was. It, when you look back at it, it was a time of life I should have done things more. But I should have just either stayed in coaching or became AD have someone else be the football coach because it just got to be it got to be not fun and, you know I'm, I'm a believer if you're doing something you gotta have fun otherwise it makes it sure damn monotonous and I've had we've all had those jobs where it's just like fuck uh, <laughs> the know. day over I'm, I'm ready to go you know yeah. that's what Dan I, I didn't even think about that but just like it was just too much you know and it was just like at the end, it was just, you know, the school closed because it was down to us in Midland, and we closed before Midland. Otherwise, they probably would have closed because Ben Sass was the president of Midland at the time. Mm. And he came up, and he'd come over to school and recruit the students to get, they, to get taken care of. they come over to Midland. And he looked at me, and he goes, well, you probably just saved Midland when it's closing. He said, because we're five months away. And it did. Now they're still going well and, and you know, good as a college. It just, there's two, two, Lutheran College is too close together. We're 25 miles apart. And we're both Lutheran, and so it was just, it was hard on both of us. And that's what made that job so tough. It's just, it's just, they're always fighting for money. 
So, we did a lot of fundraising. I mean, the athletic program did. We just, we all worked, all the coaches and the athletics worked their butts off to make that school. Because we were 70% of the school. Oh, athletics. Wow. The attendance was 70%. Wow. So, I mean, we were the school. Yeah. Because when practice was going on, it looked like nobody's at the school. <laughs> so then let's, let's fast forward to, to 2020. You were yeah. inducted into the Nebraska Pro Wrestling Hall of Fame. Yes. So very nice honor. Very proud of that. And that's kind of how how I got to know you um, was was right. through that induction. And what uh, what what kind of what are your thoughts on uh, on the, the the Hall of Fame and you know being inducted? I I, I think it's very cool because I'm with you know you go back you look at the legends that are there like Gorgeous George I mean. Gorgeous George, Rick Blair wouldn't be what he was was for Gorgeous George. Mm-hmm. Mom and Ali said that's the book, first book he read, and that's where he learned to be a showman. I don't, I mean, I'm Muhammad Ali in my mind is to go to boxing, okay? Yeah. That's how I look at Muhammad Ali, mm-hmm. greatest of all time, okay? But, I mean, his showmanship and the stuff he did and how he got over his heel, make everybody mad. Is he read Gorgeous George's book, and that's what he did. He followed Gorgeous George's plan. And he became the heel. He was the heel against Joe Frazier. He was George Foreman. And George Floyd, they were the, George Foreman was the champ. But he still went in as a heel for the fight. Yeah. Because he said he told him he was going to beat him. Mm-hmm. But he did. He was used charisma. And it comes from Gorgeous George. Rick Butter learned from, I mean, Gorgeous George. And he's from Nebraska. So you got to look at that. That's one of the most famous, in my mind, he took the, he took, what he did is he took TV because at that time it was all house shows and vaudeville, but he put wrestling over on TV, and wrestling became big on TV because of Gorgeous George. And yeah, Gorgeous George went in with, with you. his ballet, and he'd spray the ring to, for germs, and <laughs> did the whole gimmick. But yeah, but at that time it just started on TV. It wasn't very well watched. People tell you that Gorgeous George came on TV. People put their butts in the seat and watched TV. Gorgeous George put wrestling on the map. As far as a TV event, just like the like the '58 championship with the Colts and Giants, mm-hmm. that put the NFL on the map. At that time, NFL was you know college was bigger, and so was uh, so was baseball. College football and baseball were both bigger than the NFL time. That that 1958 championship where John Unitas won it in overtime put football on the TV map, and from then on, there's it takes five five pro sports to what the NFL makes a year. Yeah, <laughs> and the closest to that, the closest thing to the NFL is this tournament going on right now. As far as money, it's mm. the closest. It makes this tournament makes more money than than uh, the playoffs in college football. Oh yeah. Definitely. So I mean, that, when you look at that, those are big events. George's George, okay. Mm-hmm. He changed wrestling, and made it big on TV. That '58 championship made it big on TV. You know, look at those events. And then wrestling became after that a big TV star. You know they had the territories, but now all the TV, all the territories got TV, and then it just grew from there. So I mean, you got to look at he's on there. You got Sting. You got you know a good friend of mine, Paul New, Matador, all those guys. It's all it's great to be part of because I've worked with Paul New. I met him in Germany when I was over the first time in Graz. Uh, second time I was over there, Matador came over. So I mean, just a lot of guys that. On that on that roster and all the local guys that are on that roster, it's great to be part of that team because I know how hard everybody has worked to be, do shows and and and, uh, and be part of this program that we all have. And 
it's cool to be part of, you know, a great bunch of men is part of the, it's good to be part of a great bunch of men. And you have mentioned that uh, you're kind of, uh, you kind of stepped back into the business here lately and, and you're doing some things yeah. locally in Nebraska. Yeah, I finally brought back what Kevin did. It started as he, as he bad, but now I'm Dave and, uh, and, uh, and the hill manager. So I'm enjoying the heck of it, working a little bit part-time with MWA. It's cool. It's cool. I enjoy, you know, and I'm trying to help the younger guys a little bit to understand what it is to be a heel. And that's why kind of we, we, me and Brian kind of come up with this. And so, you know, just work together and help, help the program out. Because it is, it is, to me, this reminds me a little bit of the old school wrestling. Mm-hmm. We're all going out working. We're trying to get heat. And so you need people to remind how you get heat. You don't go sign autographs. You stay in the back. Make people mad, you know. Be visible. Let the faces, let the faces do that. You know, I know everybody wants to sell their gear, but still, if you're out there selling stuff, how much heat are you really going to get? Yeah. And I, the, the house shows. When you go to house shows, no matter who's having them, but like MWA in our territory here, mm-hmm. they're they're like the old territory. So just not working at it. I, Brian, I give Brian credit. He tries to work as much as possible, especially this time of year. Yeah. You know, so I mean, and that's not easy because that takes a lot of work of, of, you know, building it up and get the programs going and getting on. It takes time, a lot of work on his part. So you got to really take your hat off to people that can do that. Well, and, and speaking of the uh, the MWA, they are going to be doing a show at Grand Comic Fest, so you'll get to see that's, you know everybody in action there. Yeah, well, I'll be there. <laughs> you'll be there with your guys, huh? Yeah, that's right. With my boys, with the with the Doomsday Crew. <laughs> so, is there anything that you know you would like to say to maybe people that are going to attend? People that are going to come out and uh, and see uh, you know see everybody at the, uh, the the Grand Comic Fest. Is there anything you'd like to say to them? I hope they all come out. I'll be there to sign autographs, take pictures, be part of the program. So yeah, I'm proud to be part of the program. I hope everybody gets a chance to come out and and, and uh, and uh, and see us all, and see everybody, and, and watch the matches, and be part of the program. I hope they all show up. We're going to be there to sign autographs and be part of the group. So please come out, check it out, and this please is going to be come out see it. Yeah, it's going to be your chance to to meet. Yeah, Donnie, the, the NWA will be there. I mean, I mean, uh, our our Nebraska pro wrestling will be there. So it's going to be really cool. Be a yeah. cool setup. Well, yeah, and we'll have we'll have the whole Hall of Fame display. We have the the world's largest traveling Hall of Fame wrestling memorabilia display. So you guys can That's come right. out check that out and meet a true wrestling superstar, WCW superstar, and Hall of Famer with Dave Sullivan. So any any last words that you would like to leave anyone listening with about the, the business, about your career, just just anything. You never, you know, people have to remember, even though they get good and famous, without the people that are all around them, you never get to be good and famous. It takes everybody to do it. And not just one person, maybe somebody gets more of a limelight, but if you don't if you don't surround yourself with great people, you're never going to be any good. It takes all of us, man. Yeah. One person takes the fans, it takes the heels, it takes the big, it's all part of it, man. Just like life. It t- you're no one person can do it by himself. And that's that's well, a good life lesson right there. It doesn't yeah. matter what business or, or what what no. avenue you're going down. 
It takes everybody. It takes everybody. Yeah. And that's why it's important. Yeah, you, you work things and you go forward and you move together as a team. And the individuals don't win, teams win. That's right. I mean, and, you know, good good life advice there uh, from, from Dave Sullivan. And, Dave, I would like to thank you for your time. This has been a very enjoyable conversation. And uh, hopefully I some people learn some things and, and uh, that they maybe didn't realize. And they'll come out and, and see you at uh, Grand Comic Fest. So th- thank you, Dave. I appreciate it. Okay, Mike. You have a great night, Mike. Hey, you too. to binge watch tv did you know you could binge listen to podcasts head over to electronicmediacollective.com where they have podcasts for days you like podcasts about wrestling they have that do you like podcasts about tv and film they have that do you like podcasts about horror emc has that too do you like comedy do you like books guess what they've got you covered head over to electronicmediacollective.com Pick your favorite podcast today.